Hey everybody, today is a beautiful windy and sunny day. It's warm, the sky is crystal clear blue. It's probably 70 degrees creeping up on 80, but the trees are whistling and swaying and I am just so grateful to be here in this moment. And so I thought it was the perfect moment to record this new podcast episode for you. So the title of this podcast episode is called Wonderful Souls. Many of you may be wondering what I mean by wonderful soul because it can take on so many different meanings, just how it sits with you when you first say it. Uh, Wonderful soul, what does that even mean? Whenever I started using this as a noun, I didn't even really realize what I was doing. I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. So wonderful souls has turned into this transformative way for me to explain death to my children. And so I'm going to tell you that journey and how that started. Uh, The twins were three months old whenever I went back to work after maternity leave. And they started going to an in-home daycare. I drove to the in-home daycare every morning and dropped them off. On the way to this daycare, there's this beautiful cemetery that we would pass every single morning. It's in the town in which I grew up in. So I knew that it was there and I was familiar with it. But I hadn't driven past it consistently every day like I was currently doing. And so the twins were going to this daycare five days a week while I was working my 60 hour work weeks. And I started to implement acknowledgement of the cemeteries to them once they began communicating with me. And so it turned into every time I was bringing them to daycare, we would see the cemetery and I would say, hey, say hello to the wonderful souls, wave to them, tell them have a good day. And I'm not even sure where this came from. Like it just kind of, was an idea I had in my head and I just rolled with it and I reinforced it because it felt good. It felt right to do it. And it made the cemetery not a scary thing ever. I will never forget the first day where we passed a cemetery and it wasn't even the one on the way to daycare. And the twins were like, Hey, wonderful soul, you know, in the best like child voice that they could. And it warmed my heart because when they saw it, they didn't see anything spooky or scary. They just saw wonderful souls, even though they didn't know what this meant. So when the twins were probably three years old, I would say between two and three, somewhere in there, we would begin visiting the cemeteries to go see loved ones that had passed. And we would bring a blanket and I would ask them, do you want to go have a picnic with the wonderful souls? And they would get really excited because you say the word picnic and of course they're immediately happy. Uh, Sometimes we would order pizza and we'd go sit out there. Sometimes we would even just bring pretend food and just have a pretend picnic. And they just got familiar with the grave sites. They became familiar with the stones. Uh, They would play and run and it was just like a different kind of playground for them, but one that was respected and one that we were compassionate about. It was a special place to be and they would be excited about it. And I would enjoy it and I would get to visit and we'd discuss the beautiful flowers we saw everywhere or the decorations that we would see, the wind chimes, the bird feeders. They just were able to see the beautiful side of what a cemetery is. And the magic was already working. I didn't even really realize what I had done up to this point by somehow turning the globe and making them see the other side of death, the good side, even in all its sadness and all its grief. There's a beautiful side to it. So then came our first funeral. The twins had never heard a funeral before. 
They didn't really know what the term meant. And we would begin explaining that a funeral is when somebody turned into a wonderful soul. And so their great-grandmother, my mom's mom, had passed. And I think this was the first time they kind of started making a connection that, oh, a wonderful soul is not this concrete stone. A wonderful soul is something more. And they got curious and they started asking me questions like, well, can the wonderful soul breathe in the stone? And that one, you know, threw me for a loop. I was like, whoa, okay, so wonderful soul person leaves this earth, they go to the beyond world and they think that they're in this stone because that's the wonderful soul. And so we just had to work out some uh, kinks, I guess, in my story and make them see this concept a little bit more abstractly for what it is. And they started getting it. They started understanding that a wonderful soul is a person and it's more than just their body. It's their spiritual representation that moves on that is then placed at these sites where they would go play and they would show respect. So now they're understanding a concept of we will not be on this planet forever. We're not going to live in this house forever. Like there's something beyond here and we call it wonderful souls. And so we had a tragic thing happen in our family where someone that was very close to us passed away unexpectedly and they were very young and it was unforeseen and it was painful for the entire family. So there was a funeral that took place many, many, many miles away from where we live, uh, states away. And then whenever we came back, the twins stayed at my parents' house one night. And the person that had passed was a stepsister of mine. And so my stepmom was in the house with the twins. There was this special tree that was actually a lamp. So all the branches have these bulbs in them and they light up and it's just a lamp that belonged to my stepsister. My stepmom, the twins, Nana, had the lamp lit. It was then explained where the lamp came from. My stepmom explained to the girls, you know, who it originally belonged to. And the twins wanted to know, well, what happened? Where is she? And that's when their Nana told them that she had passed away. She went to heaven. And the twins looked at their Nana and said, oh, she's a wonderful soul and it turns something that's usually very difficult to discuss with children into something that they showed her they already knew and understood better than we ever could have anticipated This tree that lights up that sits at my stepmom and dad's house, we named the Lindsay tree, or I should say she named it her Lindsay tree. And it is a physical representation of honest and pure love moved elsewhere, but not broken. And it's a very precious gift to their Nana and to the twins and to everyone who has lost someone, whether it be way too early or at the right time, anyone who's ever grieved their wonderful soul. The Lindsay tree represents that. And maybe the twins don't fully understand it, but they have already got a good step in the door in understanding and experiencing grief, even if they can't identify that that's what's happening when a loved one is lost. 
And not only do the twins have this basic understanding of grief, but they almost lessen the burden for those experiencing grief in the moment by not having had it explained to them any further because they already know more than anyone could have expected, including myself. So there's another beautiful, true, but sad story I'm gonna tell you, and it has to do with a duckling. So I was at work one day and my dad sent me this picture that he had taken. And it was a picture of the cutest little tiniest baby duck you've ever seen. And he writes to me, do you want this? And I'm like, is this real life right now? Like, is somebody giving me a baby duck and asking me I want it as if it's like a candy bar or like a tool or something? And so I responded, absolutely. And the rest of that shift, I spent dreaming about having a baby duck and what am I going to put it in and I need the perfect enclosure and you know this baby duck's probably going to need baby duck friends and so I'm probably going to have to get a couple more ducks and like should I talk to my husband about this absolutely not I gotta first get the ducks and then I'll tell him the story right because that's how this has to happen so I begin my research I do as much research as I can on ducklings and what do I need and what should I get gather my wish list I write it all down and I stop at tractor supply so I go to Tractor Supply, get everything that I need, and the next day, delivered to me, is the cutest baby duck I've ever seen. So I introduce the baby duck to the twins, and I ask them what do they want to name her. And so they decide to name the baby duck Molly Sunshine. We fell in love with Molly Sunshine, and I'm even writing a book about her currently. Molly Sunshine was integrated into our family immediately. She was snuggly, she wasn't afraid of people, her story was a bit sad because dad had found her whenever he was mowing the neighbor's yard. And it was just this tiny little baby duckling that he saw and didn't even know it was a duck at the time. And it was either abandoned or it's something bad happened to its family. We still don't know, but this duckling was all alone and hungry and without her ducky family. So dad rescued it. He calls the one person he knows will say yes, apologizes to the husband later. We know her story. We name her Molly Sunshine. I go to the tractor supply store the next day and buy two more baby ducks so that Molly Sunshine has a real duck family, not just humans that love her entirely. I set up the box with the shavings with the heat lamp for the baby ducks and we keep them inside until they would be big enough to go outside. One morning I woke up and I went to go check on the ducks. Molly had passed away. And this was obviously very hard to allow to settle within my soft heart, but I took it in and I grieved necessarily in the moment. And then when the twins asked about her, we told them Molly Sunshine is a wonderful soul now. And so they cried and they were very upset because they knew what this meant, even in its whimsical understanding of what wonderful soul and end of life mean when they're intertwined. They understood and they were sad and they experienced grief as we humans do. So there was another day separate from that day where we were outside doing yard work. This was after Molly had passed. And one of the twins comes up to me and her eyes are filled with tears. And she asked me about Molly Sunshine. And she asked me if Molly Sunshine is happy. And I said, I sure hope so. I hope she's happy where she is. I know she's in a special place. The twin asked me, are people happy when they become a wonderful soul? And I said, I believe so. I can't speak for anyone. I sure hope they find peace and joy in where they go. And so then she asked me, when people turn into a wonderful soul, 
do you think they can choose to come back as a people? And my eyes just get real wide because I'm like, this child not only grasped the concept of death and what it means, but is now inquiring about reincarnation. Like, who saw this coming? Not me. And I didn't have my bullet notes to be able to be like, oh, I'm going to respond this way. And this is the answer. No, I have me in my raw form without any expectation of reincarnation in the conversation. And I'm just mesmerized. I'm mesmerized by her face and I'm mesmerized by her ability to even ask this question beyond her very basic understanding of death. And so I just responded the best way I know how and I just told her, I don't know if they can choose to come back to this earth as a people or as a person, but I think that that's a good question for God and I think it's something to think about. Maybe we'll never have the answer and that's all right. You know, sometimes it's not about having the answer. It's about the process of thinking about it and never getting the answer. But within that process is how we grow. It's how we come up with different conclusions and different solutions to other objectives. The twin then tells me, mommy, I think Molly Sunshine is very happy where she is. And I think people can come back as a people if they want to if that's what God wants. I'm not really sure how we are so fortunate, us as a family, to be gifted with these children that have the capability to rock my spiritual foundation, to teach me something new every day. Even when it comes to death, even whenever I was unknowingly teaching them about death, somehow turned into this flipped around situation where they're teaching me something about their thought process and my thought process. And no, we don't have the answers. We don't know what death means. We don't know anything other than it can be beautiful and it can be enjoyed and we can sit with the wonderful souls all day long and have respect for what once was and what one day will be us. You know, I have no doubt that there's another strategic way to present the idea of death and what it means to die and to lose loved ones and to grieve. I'm sure there's another way. I'm sure there's a better way. But this is my way that I stumbled upon accidentally that I think is worth sharing with the world and sharing with you mamas and daddies out there who maybe have struggled with this concept. I think there's something special within a conversation with my children about the inevitable future for all of us and how that inevitable future is really what makes this present moment the most important thing. What we do right now is the most important thing. And that all living things, all living things deserve respect and kindness. And then when we pass, we again leave it behind better than we found it. I think there's something staggering about how incredibly in tuned our children are with concepts that are so far beyond what we expect them to know. I almost feel like our expectation should be expanded greater than anything we even dreamed they could accomplish because by setting the bar higher, it allows them to absorb more sooner. And I think this more quickly and further develops critical thinking, which eventually leads to an increased quantity of critical thinking. I think that they are incredible human beings that can 
comprehend and apply knowledge related to things that we never expected them to know at the age in which they are, whether it's death or life or love or grief or many of the emotions us as adults feel daily. And I think this falls into a category of being driven as a child to feel all of the good emotions and kind of suppress all of the bad emotions. And by suppressing the bad, you don't really know how to live in the moment when you are experiencing bad. So I guess I'm giving my children permission to feel all of the negative emotions because if you can't enjoy the ride within this life and you're only looking for a positive outcome, there will be nothing but the feeling of failure and abandonment. I want to allow my children to feel all the emotions and I wanna give them the tools, whether consciously or subconsciously, to better aid them in feeling those emotions and allowing that to settle within them, whether or not I believe they can comprehend it or not. Our household is completely open to conversation around death. It's completely open to conversation around wonderful souls. It's completely open to listening to any ideas that they may have regarding the subject or any feelings that come up within them that they need to express to us related to death in the family or death of an animal or a pet or even death of an idea, which isn't something a lot of us talk about. So I really hope this episode was helpful for anybody who may or may not be struggling with this topic in particular, and maybe you didn't struggle with it, but I hope it's useful to you. And honestly, I'm not sure if I can entirely wrap my head around exactly what's happening within our own home, because again, it's controlled by something of greater magnitude than what's within our journey on this planet. But I'm choosing right now to acknowledge it and to find gratitude in it and to share it with all of you. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening during this episode titled, Wonderful Souls. Mm -hmm.